Hey, this is Quentin Moore, and I'm the pastor of the Father's House, and this is our podcast. Thanks for joining us today. I hope the message inspires you, gives you faith, and lets you see that God is truly moving in your life. We hope you enjoy today's message. Uh, You ready for the word this morning? I'm pretty excited. Uh, It went pretty well first service, so I think it'll go pretty good. I warmed up. I always warm up on the first service, and then I, I just unleash on you, right? So, so I can, I can just. Uh, hmm. If you're new here, just, just wait. If you got a Bible, turn with me. We're going to go to Luke's Gospel. We're going to go to the 19th chapter, and I'll get there in a moment. We've been talking all through Lent about how to confess Christ is not the end of your faith. But to make a confession that Jesus is Lord, that He's the Christ, that's the beginning of your faith. And that uh, you move from confessing the Christ to being crucified with the Christ so that you can be conformed to the Christ. So that the image of Christ is within you so that you become a Christian by becoming like Christ, right? And the totality of that, of course, is fulfilled after we leave here. But that's the process that we're in, and we're coming to that reality. And you have to recognize that that story is told in the Old Testament as Israel emerges as the people of God, but you can't really understand that until you see through the lens of the Christ and begin to read the stories of the Old through the place of who the Christ is. Uh, And so this week, Holy Week, Palm Sunday, we're, we're celebrating how Christ comes into Jerusalem, and the end of this week He's going to be crucified. And the end of the week He's going to be resurrected. And so that's the story that we've come into. Uh, Luke chapter 19, verse 28. And when He had said these things, He went on ahead going to Jerusalem. And when He drew near to Bethany and Bethany at the mount that is called Olivet, He sent two of the disciples saying, Go into the village in front of you, where on entering you will find a colt tied on which no one has ever yet set. Untie it and bring it here. If anyone asks you, why are you untying it? You shall say, the Lord has need of it. I could just stop right there and and tell you, I am really confused about this reality. The God that created heaven and earth. The God that owns the cattle on a thousand hills. The God that has no need, has need of a donkey. If you read the right translation, has need of a Yep, you'll get it in a minute. I could have called this CYA, but I didn't. God has need of something. The fact that God needs anything boggles my mind. Look at your neighbor and say, God has a need. Hmm. So those who were sent went away and have found it just as he told them. And as they were untying the colt, its owner said to them, Why are you untying the colt? And they said, The Lord has need of it. And they brought it to Jesus. There's no argument. I don't know who the owners were. Billy Bob, Sarah Lee. But we don't know whose colt it belonged to. But they didn't argue. If I pulled up in your driveway and said, hey, I need your Chevy pickup. (laughs) I just, the Lord has need of it. Just give me the keys to your Chevy pickup. I mean, the little things in, these con- in the context of this story is amazing. The Lord has need of it. Just the simple fact that the Lord needs it should be enough to comply. Today would have to argue. If I told you the Lord needed $100, I'd have to argue with you. But the Lord has need of it. 
And they brought it to Jesus, throwing their cloaks on the colt. They set Jesus on it. And as he rode along, they spread their cloaks on the road. And as he was drawing near on the way down to the Mount of Olives, the whole multitude of his disciples began to rejoice and praise God with a loud voice for all the mighty works that they had seen, saying, Blessed is the King who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in earth and glory in the highest. And some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to him, Teacher, rebuke your disciples. And he answered, I tell you, if these were silent, the very stones would cry out. Wow. This is, this is an amazing story that we're remembering today on Palm Sunday. One of my favorite songs, and if Charles and Martha were here, I'd make Charles sing it. Even if I had to come out there and hand him my, hey, uh, ain't no rock going to take my place. I mean, it's a good old spiritual song. Ain't no rock going to take my place. There's a lot of rocks that are taking people's place this morning. Because there's a lot of people that refuse to praise God. They keep telling me how unemotional they are. And how it's just not them. Well, God says if you don't do it, a rock will. <laughs> oh, well. Look at your neighbor and say there's not room for rocks in this place. Right? So everyone in here is going to be responsible for praising God and rejoicing with a loud voice. You're, you're not at, never mind. The Lord has need of it. The creator of the world needs something. He needs a mule. He needs a donkey. These things, of all things that he would need, he needs a mule. Uh, Peter maybe is the one that could associate because when he met Peter, he said, I need your boat. I mean, I don't know why he needed a boat. He could walk on water, but he needed the boat. It's not like he really needed the boat. He could have stood on the water, but it was too soon for that, so he needed a boat. And he needs a donkey. He, he, he needs this mule. He comes to untie a mule. He comes to loose the mule from what the mule is tied to. He comes to untie the donkey, so that the donkey could find its purpose. He comes to loose the mule, so the mule can discover that it was created to carry the Christ. I think this morning, my first message to you is that God's come to untie you. He's come to set you free from the things that have kept you bound from fulfilling the purpose for which you were created. For you were created to carry, reflect, and give praise to God. And yet religion in many ways has kept you tied and bound to the things of this world. And the fulfillment of your created order is that you would carry the Christ. Hmm. And they begin to praise and shout and sing. You know, one of the things you have to remind mules of is later in the day that the mule doesn't try to take credit for the praise that you're just, the, that carried the Christ. You know, I know a lot of religions trying to make the mule the Christ. They've been trying to tell the mule to become the Christ. And every time the mule fails to be the Christ, they get condemned and have to get saved all over again. Can I just suggest to you that mules never become the Christ, but they do carry the Christ. And that there's a lot of religion based on you becoming the Christ rather than carrying the Christ. You'll get it in a minute. A lot of you could be untied from religious bondage by just recognizing you were to carry, not become the Christ. God has come to untie the world from the sin that has kept them bound. 
God has come to untie us from the addictions and the attitudes that we have had. He's come to set us free. He's coming into Jerusalem to untie us because the Lord has need of every mule in this room. He's come to set us free that we might discover who we are and what we were created for. He has need of you. Has need of so many of us that remain tied. This colt has never been ridden. Never been broke. Never been brought under the authority of a rider. Never been, am I making any sense here? To be untied is not enough. I know a lot of untied mules. You get it? How many of you know untied mules whose Christianity is independent of anything other than themselves? We have a lot of untied mules in American Christianity. They've been set free, but they're roaming. You'll get it. It's not enough to be untied. You have to let someone sit on the back of the mule. And he sat down on them. Oh, come on. Don't miss the little things. It's not a little thing that he needed a mule. It's not a little thing that he untied the mule. It's not a little thing that he sat on an unimpressive creature. Most kings come riding in on stallions, but our king comes riding in on an unimpressive thing called a mule. Most people drive up in a, but he drives up in a, come on. Don't miss the little things. Have you been untied to be sat? Are you just untied roaming around like any other mule? He he comes to untie us so that we can experience the reality of him sitting down upon us and revealing to us that we were created to carry the Christ, that we were formed so that we could carry and be the vessel. Don't miss the little things. The crowd is moving to Jerusalem for the Passover and because they heard Jesus had raised someone else from the dead. You know, he raised Jairus' daughter, but it was, he raised the widow's son, but, but he raised Lazarus. Just a few days ago, from the dead, the boy had been dead four days. He stinks. And we've heard about this Jesus from Galilee that's going to Jerusalem, and we're in the crowd, and we're for him, and we're against Rome, and we're for him, and we're against Rome. Crowds are always gathered to be for or against. And they're going because they're for him, and they're against Rome. And they're going because they want him to take the throne and he's going to hang on a tree. You must understand that crowds never recognize the truth. Crowds create their own energy for whatever they're for or whatever they're against. And crowds are never for you. They're never for me. It takes a community of people devoted to each other to experience that reality. Christ pays no attention to this crowd because today they're for, but tomorrow they'll be against. If there's anything you should have learned from 2020 is not to listen to crowds because they can never recognize the truth. 
We are called as a church to be for each other. We are called as the body of Christ to realize that within this room there are different people with different stories, different opinions, different histories, and that we celebrate that difference by being for one another. We celebrate that difference because God created multiple people in multiple colors, in multiple tribes, in multiple languages, and that not everybody's gonna be like you. Crowds are for or against, communities are for the diversity that sits within the Father's house. Because there are many mansions, many distinctions. If there's anything we should have learned from 2020 is that there's many kinds of opinions. But there's one Lord, one faith, one God who is for us all. Never commit to the crowd because the crowd will kill the Christ. And they came in to Jerusalem and they're shouting and they're praising. Notice the little things, the little things, the donkey. He sat on him. He basically ignores the crowd and says, and yet if they don't praise me, the rocks will take their place. This six-day period that we call the passion of the Lord highlights many little things. In one telling of this story, he says, look for a man that's carrying a jar on his head. Follow him to the house, and that's the room where we'll have supper. A man with a jar of water on his head. That's a stupid little thing, right? A mule that's tied, stupid little thing. Catch the little things. A man with a jar of water on his head. Why is that significant? Because men never carry water, specifically on their head. Women carry the water. Men don't carry the water. But find the man that's carrying water. Find the mule that's carrying the living water. Catch the little things. A mule carrying living water. A man carrying water. Make the connection. Little things matter. Most people come to Easter and they miss the little things. The little things, Kemp. On his way in and on his way out, he sees a fig tree that does not bear fruit. He curses the fig tree because the fig tree appears to have fruit, but it has no fruit. And so he curses the fig tree. The fig tree dries up. As they're going back out, they see the fig tree is dried up. And he goes, oh, if you had that faith, that mustard seed, that little, God loves little he loves little jars of oil. He loves little cups of water. He loves little things. If you'll give him little, he'll do much. Little things that he reveals through the passion of his own death. Little. Listen to me in this room. If you feel little, God can do a lot with your little. He can feed 5,000. He can save a prophet. With a little hand, he can break a drought. If you're feeling little, I'm trying to tell you this morning, with your little, 
He can do a lot. If you're just the mule or the man with the water or the fig tree kind of faith, God does a little with one man named Jesus of Nazareth, who is the Christ of the Lord. Easter reminds us that God does so very much with so very little. If you don't understand the little things, you'll lose sight of the real things because the crowd is shouting about the wrong things. They're going because they're going to celebrate the Passover. The Passover was the meal that the Jews rehearsed every year. They rehearsed it. They did it again. They ate certain foods, set certain ways, and told the story about how Moses goes in and faces Pharaoh. And the last thing that he does is he takes and kills a lamb. And they take the blood of the lamb and they put it over the doorpost of the house and death comes over Egypt and every firstborn dies except those that are under the blood of the lamb. And so every year the Israelites sit their children down, they celebrate a meal and they tell the story about how the lamb protected them from the death. And they're going to do that. And Jesus is going to come and take that meal and tell another story. He's going to take that meal and say that was just a shadow, a type, a forerunner of the reality because John has already told them, behold the lamb that takes away the sin, not the chains, but the lamb that takes away the sin of the world. This lamb who will be slain, the one that will end all sacrifices. This lamb named Jesus is coming to finish the story. All of the Old Testament is about how the people of Israel get in trouble and God comes and rescues them over and over and over again. They sin and they fall short. They sin and they get in this mess. They sin and they get in this mess. Like a lot of people we know, right? Maybe... But finally, the grand finale is that God would become a man, come to the earth, so that his death would destroy death for all who believe. Well, pastor, I know this story. I know, but you forget it. I know, but America is filled today with churches that are preaching tickling things. And they're not telling the story that this is not about Oh, I've listened to the whole year of 2020. None of it was about Jesus. America got caught up in wearing this or not wearing this, voting for this or voting for that. It was all heresy. It was all distractions from the reality that 2,000 years ago my Lord came and died and shed blood that every person in this room could be set free and find their place in His presence. And there is nothing in this world that will ever do that. Not who you elect, not who you wear, what you wear or don't wear. Those were nothing but this world trying to take away from the reality that I celebrate the one who lived and died and lives again, and he's coming. Mm -hmm. This story has to be told over 
and over and over and over and over until it gets so set down inside of us that we're not distracted by the things of this world. Not by viruses. I made up my mind a year ago. I was going to do everything I could to stay in front of you. Everything I could to keep saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, and thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our sin as we forgive those who have sinned against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Do you realize that in that prayer, everything we worried about last year was taken care of? Everything. It's time to remember that he came into Jerusalem to complete this calling. That a man, a God would die that we ourselves could be set free from the things of this world. <laughs> it's interesting to me. When I was a little boy, electricity always went out in Greenwood County. Anybody grew up in... <laughs> I don't know what Texas is so upset about. We, our power always went out. <laughs> Texas gets nervous because they're... Never mind. <laughs> And my dad would get up in the darkness of the night and we had those boxes of matches. You remember those big, big matches? And he'd strike one of those matches and he'd hold it up like this and he'd stand there in his underwear <laughs> and he's hollering at my mom, where's the candles? Where's the flashlight? And he's carrying around this candle trying to figure out where the flashlight is. And then we'd find the flashlight. You know, oh, why? We're up in the middle of the night and as stumbling as it is, can I tell you something my dad never did? At 6.30 in the morning, he never went out and took the flashlight and went, is the sun shining? <laughs> Not one time. No one had to tell us that the sun was coming up. Because we were living in the benefits of the sun. And can I tell you, none of us went out and stared at the sun to see if it was real. Because we were living in the benefits of the sun. Can I tell you that today I don't stare at the... No, I live in the benefits of His grace. I live in the reality of it is, and that's why so many of us take it for granted. It's because we just get up and we just know the sun's going to be there. And so it is very advantageous for us to go back and tell our children the story. And to remind ourselves, the only reason we can live in the reality of his presence is because he came to us in the form of a man, that he died on a cross on Calvary, that he was crucified, died, and he was buried because of my sin, and that on the third day he rose again, and he ascended into heaven, and he's seated at the right hand of the Father. And he will come again to judge the living and the dead. Am I making any sense this morning? We have to remind our forgetful selves of the reality that we needed this Savior. And that we many times need to be untied and set upon. That we can continue to carry the Christ into a world. And so this morning, if you're tied to this world, 
be untied. If you're tied to the things of your own aspirations, be untied. If you're connected to the things that here, listen to me, Christ came to set us free. He came to set us free that we might be those conveyors and those carriers of Christ to this world. Second little story. A day or so after his walking into Jerusalem, they're preparing to have a party. And at that party, there are a number of dignitaries. They're in Simon the leper's house. Mark's gospel, first chapter says, Christ healed Simon the leper. And then here in Mark, the 14th chapter, it says that he was at Simon the leper's house. We, we could surmise who that is, but I'll leave that to scholars. But he's at supper with Simon the leper. And the Bible says a woman came into the room. Not just any woman, and I am very aware that there are three tellings of this story. I'm very aware that it's a bit confusing as to which Mary it was, but I'm going to pick the one I want because I'm the one preaching. <laughs> and if you're smart enough to go figure it all out and have the certainty of answers, good for you. But I'm telling this story. I'm telling that this woman came into a hostile environment. She came into the environment of religious bigots. She came into an environment where people didn't know whether Beth Moore ought to be allowed to preach. We're still having this argument. And this woman comes into this room where people really are jockeying for position. She comes into this room of hostility. And she comes into the room and she goes to his feet. And I want to suggest it wasn't the first time that she found herself at his feet. I want to take and metaphorically expand the story that it's not just one woman, that it's many women. I want to suggest to you that there was a woman thrown at his feet to be stoned. Because I think one woman is all women. Just as one man is all men. By one man we were sinned. And by one man we were saved. And one woman, they threw it. Have you noticed, women, how many times women were degraded in the Gospels? Have you noticed? Nothing has changed. Nothing. We still see it. Women are thrown at the feet. And then you see this woman come into the room, and she sits at his feet. Remember that woman? I happen to think that's the same woman. And... and and to Martha's chagrin, Jesus says of Mary, she has chosen the one thing necessary. Say one thing. Say things matter. The one thing, the priority of our life matters. And the priority of our life is established through the experiences that we have thrown at the feet to be stoned or sitting at his feet to be enthroned. And a woman comes into the room and she lets her hair down. Listen, I don't have to get graphic to explain to you what happens. This is an intimate reality. All of you that are seeking intimacy in all the wrong places, it'll never be found except. She lets her hair, only, only time in scripture does a woman use her hair to wipe his feet. It's never anywhere else You'll never find it anywhere in scriptures that hair was used. 
And the hair of a woman is her glory. And she'll take her very glory and she'll wash up the dirt. She takes this alabaster jar and she doesn't open it. She breaks it. She doesn't save it. She doesn't dribble it. Praise God. Hallelujah. Oh, I feel that song. Oh, it's time to go. No, no, she just throws it all out there. You do understand that praise that doesn't throw it all out there really doesn't matter. But real worship throws it all on the line. Oh, you're not listening to me. I knew this charismatic church. No, 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 no. This is a Bible-believing, born-again church that has the guts enough to look at you and say your trivial worship matters not. But only a life that is fully ventilated, only a life that understands we came from the dust, deserving to be stoned, to sitting and listening to the teacher of the master, to this place where everything I have, everything I've saved, everything I've held back, my entire life savings, I break it and pour it over his feet. Wow. Because you see, I understand what you're doing tomorrow. Because you see, what the crowd could not see, I can see. What the crowd could not perceive, I've received. The crowd cannot perceive that it's about the saving of the world, not the fulfilling of an agenda. She begins to see the revelation of the God, the Christ, that's going to die once and for all, that all could know, that death could be destroyed, that we ourselves could be restored into the image and the likeness. This woman that's guilty perceived her innocence. Have you ever been guilty of something? You know you deserve it. See, you and I were made in paradise. Heaven, paradise, paradise. East of paradise. That word paradise in the Hebrew means innocence. You were created to live in innocence. Have you ever seen a little child? I mean little. Year and a half. They're innocent. Even when they do something wrong, we go, isn't that funny? <laughs> right? Even when they break something, we... We giggle about it, right? Why? Because the child is innocent. You and I long to live in that innocence. Oh, you're not. To live in that place where we know not right or wrong. Where no one's judging. Where no one's comparing. Where there is no law that evaluates our behavior but just living in the unconditional love of the Father that calls us His children. And we live in the innocence of the unknowing of what might separate us from to live in that complete innocence. That's heaven. This woman knew what it was to be guilty 
but be declared innocent. And if I can be declared innocent, then what do I have that is not his? And she takes everything she has, she breaks it over his feet. See, this will rip the rug out of the provincial puritanistic fundamental Christianity of America. Because most of them haven't got the guts to tell you that because of his death, burial, and resurrection, you're free. You're innocent. And you can live because he fulfilled the law. And so in response to what she perceived was coming, in response to that, she takes everything she has. She gives it to him. Wow. Hadn't even happened yet. But she prophetically perceived. Am I making any sense? The aroma filled the room. You ever had a bottle of perfume? The aroma. I, I went somewhere one time and Annie used to do this. I'd, I'd fly and she'd take her perfume and she'd spray about three. And I'd open up my suitcase and she was in the room. Some of you ladies need to learn how to hold a man. The aroma. Mark 14, verse 6, I think they have it. Everybody else got mad. Jesus said, why are you bothering her? She has done a beautiful thing. A beautiful thing. It's the only time it's said in the scriptures. She has done a beautiful thing. Can I tell you, those words convict me at times. Makes me wonder, Pete, if I've ever done anything beautiful for him. I'm innocent. I don't have to do anything. I'm not coerced. No one told her. There wasn't a line that says you've got to go give your... You don't have to do anything. But when you recognize that you're loved so purely that you're innocent again, then I just want to do something beautiful for him. Christians, this is the week we remember that he has purchased for us our innocence. And our response to that, a beautiful thing, a mule that now carries the Christ, a woman who recognizes the Christ in the face of a crowd that can't see the Christ. Can you feel that? The aroma. I wonder... Because Mary would have been at the foot of the cross, and the cross was only about two or three feet off the ground. It wasn't up here. It was. And Mary and John, the Marys and the John were. Do you think that Christ could smell the aroma that were on the clothes of the woman? The comfort 
of the one who had recognized he was the son of God. That he died with the smell of that giving in his nostrils. I wonder, on the morning of his resurrection, if it was the same woman that lay in the dust, that sat at his feet, that broke the jar, I think, that I could prove it was the same woman that clung to his garments as she recognized him to be the... I wonder. Ladies, this would be a great Mother's Day story, but it's Easter. I wonder what we cling to. I wonder the one thing we've chosen, the beautiful thing we do. I wonder if days later on the day of Pentecost, if when Mary walked out of the house, if you could smell the aroma. Paul would later write that our praises create a sweet-smelling aroma. I wonder if when we sing and we worship, I wonder if we're creating a fragrance that comes up into the presence. I wonder if when we come together and we focus on the Christ, do we create an atmosphere of praise wherein He is able to reside? I wonder this morning if we recognize that every time we assemble together, we become that culture wherein He inhabits and He is here today. And that resurrection wasn't back there, but the one who is the resurrection is here. I wonder in a few moments when I break the bread and pour the wine if we'll remember that there He is. I wonder if in the midst of all the political and the medical and all that stuff, I wonder if we can shut it out and recognize that the king is among us. In his reality, in his totality, in his resurrection. I wonder this morning if my simple little words would maybe move past you, all the stuff of your brain. I wonder if we could do a beautiful thing this morning. And that is give all that we are to one that has given us all that we are. I wonder. I wonder if when we go from this place, we could see him in our neighbor, in our enemy, in black, in Muslim, in Democrat, and Republican. For unto the least of them, You've done a beautiful thing for me. I wonder if in the house of guilty, innocent people, if we can now begin to recognize that by doing beautiful things for one another, we've done it for him. Hmm. Let's do beautiful things. Let's do beautiful little things. Let's become the mules that are untied that carry the Christ. Let's do beautiful things. 
Let's worship the Lord when we have the opportunities. And let's minister to those around us. Let's be the church. Let's be the church. Let's, let's call people out of the world and into that place. Right? People should be able to walk in this room and know that they've been forgiven and that they're innocent. They should be able to walk in this room and be different from each one of us and be accepted as all of us. Do I dare say it? That's why I have stopped posting. The only thing that gets posted is what I pray or what... It's because people read what you post and they know where you go. And they feel the vitriol nature of it. They feel the judgment of it. And so they push away from the church. Buy a journal. Put your opinions in the bottom of your chest or drawers. Facebook is not a place to put your opinions out there. Because when you do, it hurts other people. I've watched it this year. I've listened to it. I've had to hold people's hands. I've watched them give up on the church. Not here. I will continue to say this. We're going to do beautiful things to the people that are not like us. And do beautiful things to one another. Am I making any sense? We've survived this year. We're going to thrive. There's a revival. But we got to pay attention to the little things. Hey, I hope the message truly inspired you today. If it did, do a couple things for me. Subscribe to our show and it'll just drop right into your feed and you can stay current with all that we're doing. The second thing is, is if you've been impacted by this ministry, you can click the link right there in front of you and you can become one of our givers and that'll help us to keep spreading the gospel and the good news around the world. Everyone needs to hear the good news right now, maybe more than any other time. So God bless and I'll see you next time. Time.